0: Thanks for tuning in to Drunk Dialing. In this series, I talk with other alcoholics about how they got sober and their experience with their sponsor, Dick Martin. In this episode, I'm talking with Tim P. Enjoy. Thanks for tuning in to Drunk Dialing. Um, I'm pretty excited about this one. Uh, So this one's going to be a little bit different than the normal Drunk Dialing podcast. Um, Today, I've got on Tim uh, Tim is my sponsor, and he's actually been a huge supporter in getting drunk dialing up and running. Um, and in conversation with him, he wanted to uh, talk a little bit about his sponsor, Dick M, and the impact that Dick had on his life. So I, I thought this was a great idea. Um, even though this podcast has been, you know, kind of set up as far as you know, talk, so far I've only talked exclusively about or with people in AA. You know, selfishly, I'm interested in how people get and stay sober since it's uh, what I consider a miracle, especially for my life. You know, where I came from was, you know, pure chaos to, uh, I don't know what you consider it is I am now, but a relatively functioning member of society. And then, um, and I'm interested in all areas of sobriety and the way that, you know, people can make that happen. So for me, obviously I I I stick pretty close to AA, but, and this is not AA, what we do, but, um, and I'm fascinated with how people found their way through the chaos and how they did it. And it sounds like Dick M was a person that um, guided a lot of people through that mess. So I'm really excited to have Tim on today. Tim has been a huge part in my life. So Tim, if you want to kind of give a little bit of your background um, and then just kind of get us started.
1: Yeah. Thanks, Corey. It's uh thanks for doing this i ever since you started talking about it and started doing it i've just been amazed how uh what a wonderful idea it was and uh how uh how it was really perfect timing for what was going on that this all kind of came together i don't think it would have been as well received had it not been for the you know the pandemic mm-hmm. and the uh, and the nature of how everybody is uh Kind of being locked up, so I, I I think it's absolutely fantastic what you're doing, and I'm very grateful uh, a little bit about myself is uh, you know i, I am a, I am a mini generation of alcoholics. Uh, I grew up in an alcoholic home uh, I had two parents that were alcoholic um, I have a grand grandparents that were alcoholic on both sides and uh alcohol and alcoholism was just a part of the way I grew up and uh I grew up small town Montana mm-hmm. otherwise known as uh white trash <laughs> <laughs> uh I grew up in a town of about 300 people oh, wow on a on a good on a good day, it had 300 people and uh, had three bars. Oh, wow. You know, and uh, uh, no grocery store. How many churches? I've had several churches. Never really sat around to count the churches, <laughs> you know. But uh, we grew up with a keg in the house. My parents were <laughs> bartenders. And, you know, I just drinking. I've got pictures of my very first birthday way, way, way back in the... You know, way back, sure. And uh I'm sitting on a cake. I'm sitting on cases of Budweiser. <laughs> you know, and my mom is giving me my first birthday cake right there. You know, so uh, I mean, that's just the Bud heavy. Yeah, like Bud heavy, like the good stuff. Yeah, yeah. Like, huh? yeah. Do it right. So it was like it was just like the way it was done. Sure, in our house, and uh you know, the, my my father's justification for the keg in the house was. You know the small town didn't have a water treatment plant and you couldn't drink the water so beer was what we had to drink I'm Sure, yeah. you
0: know
1: and uh so it was just you know it, it was just k i mean we grew we we raised rabbits and raccoons and you know dogs and we had you know motorcycles and just you know just a good you know wholesome <laughs> backwoods white trash upbringing <laughs> Sure. You know, and uh, my parents took. You know, I grew up in a home where my parents took turns. You know, putting each other in jail mm. and putting each other in the hospital. Sure. And, um, just, but you know, I, I like talking about that in the sense that you know that has nothing to do with why I'm alcoholic. Mm-hmm. Growing up in that has absolutely nothing to do with why I'm alcoholic. Right. But, uh, but I will tell you, you know, I, I I can remember at some point in my life, at some point in my I must have been seven, eight years old, somewhere around there. I had made a decision that I was never going to drink, sure. you know, because I had seen the destruction that, you know, that it had done to my family. And, and I just was, had, you know, just, I, I can remember making the verbal, you know, statement that I was never going to drink, right. you know, and uh, as you know, somewhere around, you know, somewhere in the next year, somebody asked me the wrong question. Of, <laughs> uh, you want to drink? <laughs> right? Hey, sure. You know, and uh, and and I was off to the races. Right. You know, I was off to the races, and somewhere, you know, around eight years old, nine years old, which would have been you know mid, late mid to eight late seventies, uh, my parents got sober. Mm. You know, and uh, they started going to Alcoholics Anonymous, and. On hmm. us, and and Alcoholics Anonymous, you know, started taking, you know, care of our family. My I, I come from a family of uh, my dad was married seven times wow. and I'm one of and I'm one of 13 kids. Wow. Uh, my mom was married three times, you know, so I, I don't have a real good track record mm-hmm. <laughs> of what a what a good relationship was you know, and how this plays into what we wanted to talk about today is, you know, my parents passed away. Uh, they got sober, they were sober for a few, many years, a few years. And, and then, um, uh, my dad passed away when in, in 1985 and my mom passed away in 1986, mm-hmm. uh, both, you know, both of different cancers, mm-hmm. but they both died sober, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, somewhere, you know, up until that point, I just, I, I was a, I was a drinker and a user. I just, I loved the effect produced by alcohol. Mm-hmm. Once I felt, you know, once I started to drink and I, and I truly started drinking, you know, at, at around 10, 11 years old on a regular basis, mm-hmm. you know, and it wasn't, it was a daily basis because what happened is we were staying with our cousins. My uncle would get home at, 3 30 in the, in the afternoon from work and and he wanted a bb and coke when he got home sure and we got off the bus at three ten, and it the first person to get home got to make him his drink uh. and the big deal was is if you got to make him his drink you've got one uh. i mean you know how it is sure. i gotta get it right i gotta get the mix right right i gotta have the right right deal well that's too strong or that's too weak well i might as well drink it and start over right you know and that that was i mean that's at 10 11 years old Mm. you know and i've always been an abnormal kid in the sense that at six you know in sixth grade i was six foot tall Mm. so but i was about the size of a pencil right (laughs) you know and uh um just that just kind of you know grew up and my parents i played the 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 alcoholism card with my parents and You know, whenever the heat got too hot in one area, I would, you know, well, I'm going to go live with my mom or I'm going to go live with my dad, you know, and I was constantly going back and forth. So were they sober by then? Yeah, they're sober at that time. And, and, uh, you know, trying to, and I, the guilt card, man, did I play the guilt card of, you know, if you weren't, if you guys weren't alcoholic, I wouldn't be. Oh, sure. You got, you know, just anything con manipulate and twist the knife. Right any chance I could get you know being a parent today man I just it horrifies me to think of what kind of kid I was mm. I mean it's like I was just I was just I mean unbearable right you know and and some you know to really jump forward real quick you know something happened in the 80s my my dad my dad passed away of cancer in 85 and and uh my mom and my stepdad in the 80s there was a movement called tough love mm-hmm. and it really looks like strong sponsorship sure. is really what it right. is i mean but it but it was an actual movement about tough love and and my parents just called the cops every single time i you know right if i if i if i ran away or if i didn't make curfew if i you know if i took my car without asking they called me in as grand theft Damn. um one time i mean and they turned i mean they pressed charges to the you know to try to get me into the system uh so that you know my i i look at it and my mom and my stepdad knew that the only thing mm. that was going to change an alcoholic of my variety a kid of my is to have consequences. Mm-hmm. you know and if i did not have that consequence heavy and hard That I was never going to change. That nothing was going to happen. And they felt, they felt that consequences at that age are better than consequences at forty years old. Was your dad recovering, or your stepdad recovering alcoholic? Yeah, my my stepdad was also in. Was he in the program too? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And uh, you know, and like I said, they would. I mean, I would come home at curfew at nine o'clock, and I'd sneak out of the house prop the window open and i'd be coming home drunk you know and i'd be trying to get in that window and they'd call me in as a burglar <laughs> and, and the con, you know i mean it was just they were merciless sure. you know yeah. just merciless with it and uh you know i look back again having kids and i'm just i'm flabbergasted at at, at what it took right. for them to do that you know and uh uh, one time I did get into the house and uh, I found them in my room. It's my room, their house, they're making the house payment, but it's my room. Right. You know, and, and I took a baseball bat after my, my parents, oh my God. you know, and I was, I was just violent, right? you know, just super ultra violent. Uh-huh. And that's all, that's the only coping mechanism. Drinking and violence was the only thing I knew, hmm. you know, and that was, you know, that was at 13, 14 years old. And by that time I had started filling it out. And now I'm, you know, six, three, I'm 200 pounds. I'm a big kid, you know, and and it's not, I'm an adult, you know, at that time. So, um, you know, kept getting in trouble with the law and ended up in treatment. And I had played the games before I knew all the psychology and uh, I was sure that there was no way I was going to treatment because I had already been through, evaluations, you know, and everything and all the guilt trips and everything. And, and I knew the answers and, uh, I ended up in treatment, mm-hmm. you know, and a couple things changed for me when I was in treatment, you know, for the, the first night I was in treatment, I transferred from the evalu- evaluation unit over to the treatment unit. They had outside AA meetings brought into the treatment center facilitated by members of Alcoholics Anonymous sure. and, uh, Um, you know, I had been to Alcoholics Anonymous meetings a lot, you know, as a kid, my parents would drag me around to Alateen and all this other stuff or whatever it is. And, and I had been around alcoholics and they, you know, they intrigued me, you know, I mean, those were cool dudes, you know, the guys that my, my parents sobered up with were cool dudes. They just, you know, they were Harley riding, they were, you know, four wheeling redneck sober people right. you know just having some fun mm-hmm. and uh I, and it, was, it really intrigued me but when i got into this treatment center and and for the first time i set i sat in this aa meeting and it was the very first aa meeting that i had ever attended that uh that was not for my parents
0: mm. sure
1: it was it was as a result of my life right and my actions and i just I just lost it, you know i mean I, I I was just in tears, just could not believe that of all the people who I had became like, I hated mm. I absolutely hated my father, really? you know never want i mean very violent absolute i mean extremely violent person, mm. and um never wanted to be anything like him and and i you know my mom I loved, but i didn 't care for much more. Mm-hmm. You know, other than you have to love your mother and uh um and I did, I mean I truly did love her, but uh she had mentioned she had said one time I got in a drunken argument and fight with her and I threw her up against the wall and she said, You're just like your father. Oh my god. You know, and all of that emotion that I had been bottling up, all that stuff just came to the forefront in this meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous. And this gentleman across the table, you know, with tears in his eyes said, I know how you feel. Mm. I know what it's like to be in your first meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous and realize Mm. that this is because of your actions. And he read me like a book, you know, and that was the, that was the first click because that was the first time I had ever been around anybody that talked to me in that way, you know, and at that moment I was vulnerable Mm. enough to hear, you know, we in Alcoholics Anonymous or we talk about these little aha moments and these little white light moments and, uh, you know and that led me you know that led me into Alcoholics Anonymous and uh you know for the next uh you know for the next five years in Alcoholics Anonymous I was a uh, you know oh look you know you go to AA meetings and you'd be oh look at him you're so young I'm so happy you know and oh that's so awesome you you should you're so lucky that you got sober at the, that age and and you know it'd be like you know people would be saying stupid things like I I spilled more than you drank. How can you be? An-? And it's like, you know, like we have heard lately, you know, I'm, I'm starting to question whether or not these people are alcoholic. If they've lasted that right. long, you know, the way I was drinking and I'm in, you know, in jails institution and wanting to die, you know, and I'm, and I'm 15 years right. old, you know, and, and I'm, you know, so, so I get through treatment and, uh, like I said, you know, the one thing that went well that my, my stepmom or my mom and my stepdad did was they, you know, they came and picked me up for treatment and they dropped me off at a meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous mm-hmm. and they left me there, right. you know, and, uh, and that was my journey into Alcoholics Anonymous, mm-hmm. you know, and, and uh, that's kind of how I got here, you know, and uh, for the next, you know, for the next five years, don't, you know, everything was awesome. I mean, I just did what I, I mean, I went to, you know, th- two, three, four meetings a week. Sometimes I go to a meeting every day in the summer there was a bunch of young people at that time. And we were just, we were doing, I mean, we were just having fun and trying, you know, trying to be as principled as you can be at that age, you know, and, and not drink, mm-hmm. you know, and, and just having fun. And, uh, you know, and that's that's you know, that was the first five years of Alcoholics Anonymous, and and I'll I will tell you in that you know, to sum that five year period up, but it what really went. Um, I did everything I could, I did everything I wanted, when I wanted, how I wanted, mm. and I got absolutely stark raving, sure, terror. sure, you know, because I, you know, I didn't do any steps. Um, I, I thought all that Alcoholics Anonymous was was fun and going to meetings and, and trying to chase women, and you know, and doing that stuff. I got married uh, and at the end, you know, about five years sober, the, that marriage was coming to an end. Mm. Um, I was absolutely miserable mm. and uh, and got introduced to, uh, you know, the recovery group of Alcoholics Anonymous in Billings, Montana. And, uh, my life changed when I went, you know, the gentleman you interviewed earlier, Spencer, Spencer M. Um, he just, you know, he knew me, he knew my parents, uh, and the, the man just touched my soul, mm-hmm. you know, in a way that, you know, in a way that transformed me, you know, and, and, uh, and taught me how to, um, you know, taught me about Alcoholics Anonymous and, uh, uh, shortly thereafter, I ended up, you know, I ended up getting Dick as a sponsor in my mid twenties. And uh, one of the things that's interesting about, you know, about getting Dick is, um, I don't know about, I don't. The older I get, the smarter my parents. get. Uh-huh. You know, and I think all, I think a lot of uh, men in this world have that period from, you know, maybe 15 to 25 where they can't hear their parents. Sure. You know, some people maybe a little bit, maybe 30 before they start hearing their parents and their parents judgment becomes valuable sure. in their life. And, uh, I, and that's, and that, and that's when I met Dick. Uh-huh. you know, is in that period of time when, when, uh, when I, when I was ready to listen to somebody, you know, I had been, you know, Spencer had saved my life and I, you know, and I was scared to death, you know, because he had, you know, he he had some things had changed in his life and he was going a different direction and, and and I was scared to death as what to do because, you know, I'm in small town AA and uh, there's not a lot of people sober longer than I am at that time, you know, and uh, that were, uh, that were around and, uh, you know, John, Becky's father I was I was dating Becky at that time and and John was the only person in our group that was sober longer than me at that time and obviously he couldn't he couldn't sponsor me and he just said you need to call my sponsor you know and and I remember I remember Dick you know and I knew Dick and we had I had you know I had known Dick for a, a few years maybe at that time and uh very intimidating very intimidating always looked like i mean he was just a a very you know from a distance looked like an intimidating person until you got up close to him and then you found out what you know just what a remarkable man and what a loving man he Mm -hmm. was you know so that's kind of how I got introduced to Dick and, and uh, you know, when I asked him to be my sponsor, he he said the famous words, he says to everybody and and I didn't listen before. I knew he was going to say this, but I just said, you know, will you be my sponsor? And he said, please. And I said, huh? And he said, you, you need to ask, please, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and, uh, and that's what, how it happened, you know? And from then on, I had the privilege Of being sponsored by him, and the man just you know absolutely changed my life. Just eased me up in a way that I could not you know that I that I was unable to do at that time. And he just lightened you know lightened life for me. Made life real easy. He made Alcoholics Anonymous easy uh, or simple, not easy. He made Alcoholics Anonymous simple.
0: Well, it sounds like it sounds like um, you know you were at a real you know, kind of, you know, fork in the road. And, you know, we we see this a lot in AA where uh, people pick sponsors because they're convenient. But you knew, it sounds like Dick was going to be a real, uh, you picked somebody that you knew was going to actually change your life. And don't don't make me, don't let me put words in your mouth, but how was it or why was it that you picked him over somebody that was going to, and if I'm putting words in your mouth then stop me, but why did you pick him well, over somebody? Cause I see this all, I see this all the time in a, over somebody that's, you know, cause sometimes we tell people all the time, pick a sponsor, pick a sponsor. Sometimes you just pick somebody that you know is going to not tell you to do anything. You know, why was it that you picked somebody that you knew was going to change your life? Like, why did you pick this
1: guy? Well, and that comes to, you know, the same reason I picked Spencer to be my sponsor. And that was the desperation of, of the way I was, right. living. you know, and, you know, the reason, you know, like when I, when I asked, when I asked Spencer to be my sponsor, he, you know, I, I said, will you be my sponsor? And and he said, let's go in here and talk about that. You know, that's kind of a bit, you know, let's go over in this room and talk about it. and And he asked me two questions. You know, he asked me, do you believe that my judgment in your life is infinitely better than your judgment in your life? And and that was obvious. I'm fa- I'm five years sober, getting divorced, facing, you know, felony charges, facing real jail time uh, in in a mess. So, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. That's a no brainer. And then he slips in this other conversation or this other question about. You know, do you believe that my or do you believe that alcoholism affects every area of your life? And do you give me permission to dove into any area of your life uninvited? And uh, and I just said, yeah, hmm. sure. And and the moment I want to tell you, Corey, the moment I said yes to that, I felt like the world had lifted off my shoulders. I felt like it wasn't Spencer. It was the fact that I was not sure. alone. Right. Anymore. Yeah. You know, it was the fact that there was somebody, I felt like there was somebody on my side, mm-hmm. you know, and that, and that was the same thing that happened when I asked Dick to be my sponsor. I had that very mm-hmm. same feeling, you know, that very same feeling of, I, I'm, I'm not because I, I was going through a tough time. I'm dating, you know, Becky and I were dating at that time and that was kind of a, it's own little controversy and, and, um, uh, you know, and uh, Spencer was going in a little bit different direction. and He had issues, some stuff going on. And I was scared and I was worried. And, and, and the people around me were scared and worried for me. And when I asked Dick, it was mm-hmm. the same feeling, you know, that same feeling of mm-hmm. I'm not alone. You know, and, and the reason I asked him is there was no other choice. You know, I just had no other choice because I did not want to go back to living the way I was living. So you, um, so you asked him to sponsor you. So what
0: are, you know, what are his first couple of directions for you? What are the, what, what are the the things that he asked you to do, you know, right out of the gate?
1: Yeah. Well, and that's, that's a good question because I, I was distance at that time and by then I was seven years, eight years sober and, um, um, I was in my mid twenties, and uh I was living in Montana. He was obviously living in nebraska and we and he sponsored me at long mm-hmm. distance and and people are a lot people are like, "How can you be sponsored long distance but but i was I was ready i mean I was willing to do anything, and I was not new sure. by you know I was not new and and he simply asked me to continue to do the things that I was doing, such as I want you to go to, you know, three to four AA meetings, um, a week. And I want you to call me every day, every Wednesday. I want you to call me at 7. A.M. my time. Well, I was living in Montana at that time, which is mountain time. He's living in central time. So I had to get up at 6. A.M. to call him every, every Wednesday in the morning and, uh, (laughs) in the morning. And, uh, uh you know and i and i was working i was working a retail job that didn't start till eight thirty, nine o'clock you know so it was like sure. but i did it you know and i just did it because that's what right. we did you know and and um you know at that time i was trying to straighten my life up trying to do some things different i was paying mm. restitution um i was working i was working um I was working two full-time wow. jobs. Uh, I was, I was working from Monday through Friday, eight, eight to five at their eight 30 to five at the, at the, um, printing place that I, that engineering and architectural place. And then from five thirty till two in the morning, I was working construction and it just so happened that there was a mall construction going on. And, um, it was a perfect night job. It had to be done at night after, you know, when people weren't mm-hmm. around the mall and it just worked. And that just worked. It worked out. So, so I could not have planned it. God had a hand in it. His finger was in it. And Dick just told me "Keep keep doing this, you know, just keep doing it, keep moving forward. And so then Monday through Friday, I was working at that, you know, and uh, so I'd sleep, you know, four or five hours a night and go I'd get up and go to work again and then I'd hit a noon meeting once in a while um when I could get away from that job or and then I would hit meetings on Friday night I'd hit a, you know I'd hit a meeting on Friday night or I'd hit a meeting on uh Saturday Sunday I'd pound you know get meetings in and just we would go we would go uh conferences we were becky was living in iowa she had moved to iowa at that time and we were still dating so we were doing the long distance dating and uh Mm -hmm. life was good you know and i was just willing to do whatever dick asked me to do and the the really cool thing about dick is he was recording these conferences so it it seemed like every other weekend i was Mm -hmm. where dick was you know, every other weekend. And, and it wasn't just being around Dick. I was in the tape booth, in the tape table with Dick. I was, you know, eating dinner with Dick. I was spending the weekend with Dick and just had, una- you know, just I would help him out with the with with the taping and stuff. And I just had, you know, this this amount of time that I got to spend with him for the next, you know, actually, you know, for the next five, mm-hmm. six years. Um, I spent just an immense amount of time with him traveling, and on weekends. And then after Becky and I got married, and I moved to Iowa, which I want to tell you, Iowa was a two-year stint. That was it. I'm moving to Iowa for two years, and then I'm coming back home. Sure. You know, and and, uh, and to be and so you know, uh, next week it will have been. I will be here twenty right. years next week. You know, and that's just. Baffling to me because it's not a place I would have ever been, chose to be. But you know, when Becky and I got married, you know, Dick was in Omaha, her sponsor was here, it just made sense. She was here and it made sense. And then after I moved here, you know, I, I G, Greg, a buddy of mine that was sponsored by Dick as well, and I would go over and see Dick every Friday night that he was in town. We go to an AA meeting in, in Omaha, Nebraska, and people are like, Man, that's a long way to drive for an AA meeting. And I'd be like, Well, I'm from Montana, and sometimes we drive that far just for lunch. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know. So So and then Dick, you know, just the things he taught me were, you know, in that in that five years, you know, like if it's not, you know, some big things he taught me was if it's not kind, it's not AA. What does that mean? You know, and, and what that is 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 You can be, I mean, Alcoholics Anonymous is Mm -hmm. loving and kind, you know, and it's not, it's not, um, you know, honesty without love is Mm -hmm. brutality, you know, and he never did that. He always had honesty Mm -hmm. with love, you know, and he, you know, he was just very simple and he just had a way of just simply Mm -hmm. putting things that made it you know, that made a you know, easy, simple, you know, and it made you want to be better. You know, he just made you want to be a sure. better person, you know, and uh, with everything he did, you know, and every, you know, everything he did, he made you want to be a better person. And he didn't do it like he was on, you did it. He just did it by mm-hmm. his presence, you know, and not saying he walked on water or anything like that, because anybody that had spent any time with Dick, Martin knows the guy was human above anything and everything else the mm-hmm. guy was human <laughs> and uh and that's part of the fun about it is he was just you know he never he never he never pretended to be something he was you know wasn't. and I, I I kind of
0: understand you know. at least a little bit on what you're talking about and that's one of the things that i've really missed a lot in not being around the fellowship um, especially during the beginnings of the um, you know, the social isolation was, I, I, the people that I used to hang out with, you know, that we would set up, you know, times to go golfing or all these things. And then, you know, they would cancel or I would cancel or, you know, just not being very honest about things, but that's not what happens in AA, you know, in AA, it's like, you say that you're going to do and this is stuff that you tell me to do all the time. It's like, you know, if you say that you're going to do something, then you do it and it's like just this general on you know you always say this you know it's a program of honesty you say you're going to do something then you do it so like i i get that mm-hmm. you know if even if this you know if dick was very human you know it that that's fine but you know just being around people that say and do things that they say they're going to do is it's good to be around people like that cuz no I, I don't i don't like being around liars cheats and steals people that steal like i like being around people that mm-hmm. Emulate people that I kind of want to be like, you know. So I, 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 I get what you're saying,
1: right? And that's when they talk about, you know, in Alcoholics Anonymous, you'll hear people talk about sticking yes. around the winners, stick yes. around the winners, and and you know, you got to you got to be careful who you think is a winner, you know, and you got to you got to find those people that are doing that, and you got to stick around them, you know. And there's a there's just a ton of things that are so awesome about Alcoholics. in the sense that uh he was you know a lot of times in Alcoholics Anonymous we spend a lot of time in morbid reflection or you know when we're doing our four-step or when we when we mess up and sometimes some guys can get hard on themselves and it seems to be I seem to be drawn to the guys that are like to be you know really hard on themselves in the sense and uh one of the things that Dick taught me about, about my life was, you know, that was then, and this is now, what am I going to do about it? Mm, You know, and that's something that we miss a lot in Alcoholics Anonymous. We we go to, you've been to meetings with me and we've gone to meetings where it's let's talk about the problem, you know, let's, let's really understand the problem, you know, and the problem isn't going to get you to the solution you know and, right. and dick would always talk you know I mean, he shared with me you know about that was then and this is now and what am i going to do about it you know get over it make it right and move on
0: you right. know and
1: and and that's such a simple thing you know and it, it would be so amazing how you know he would say things like and spencer would say these things too he would say you know he'd come up to me and he'd say you can do this and i'd say you know things like I know, and he says, "No, you don't." But I know you can. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and so yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. You know, so it, it's 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 fun. You know that little things like that. You know, in my marriage, you know, things that the like again. The longer I'm sober, the older I get, the smarter Dick gets, the smarter the smarter mm-hmm. the people around me get. You know, and and. Something you know that's interesting that Dick used. To, he's pretty crass at times, and you know he was. Sometimes you, you like again. You hang around him, and you you knew he was human, and uh, he would say things. He you know with relationships, you know, and and marriages, mm-hmm. and he'd say it's it's pretty simple. It boils down to those who have sex get along. Those that don't don't, and I think it's that simple. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, and, you know, Becky and I will be married 20 years, uh, next week. And, uh, um, uh, it's, it's that simple, you know, mm-hmm. it really is. And, and it's amazing. I mean, that's crass and it se- seems to be, uh, you know, it seems to be, no, it can't be that simple, but I, I'll tell you for, it just is, you know, and mm-hmm. there's a lot of other stuff around it. and I'm not telling you, but that's a big deal. That takes a lot of you know, that just settles the playing field, it seems to. Mm-hmm. You know, and the other thing that, you know, one, you know, I know we're coming to our end, but another thing that was really huge and momentous in my life with Dick was, you know, was the fact that changed my life because in in that first you know seven eight years of sobriety of of this is what you're gonna do and this is how you're gonna do it and this is what we do and after I moved to Iowa and started really working with a lot of alcoholics and working with a lot of new guys it really became apparent to me what Dick was telling me in this and 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 what we have is Alcoholics Anonymous is a planned spiritual program of action that will lead you to your answers. You know, and your answers may be different than my answers, but this planned spiritual program of action is the same. You know, the the, the steps are the same for us all. And, and and if I take those steps and if I take those principles of those steps and work them through my life, it'll lead me to what my next right action is. You sure. know, and, and to trust that and to trust that process. You know, and just he was constantly, you know, one of the one of the things that, again, in the beginning, I talked about how he seemed really unapproachable. And anybody Mm -hmm. that knows Dick knows that's not true. That was never true. Anybody that doesn't know Dick thought that, you know, but if you knew Dick, you knew he was one of the most loving men you would ever meet, you know, and, and he loved all people. In a way that was just human. You know, mm-hmm. it was just, he loved, he loved the human about people and, uh, or, you know, the potential. And he just, again, he just, he made you, when you were around him, he made you want to be a better person. You know, did he just, why, why did he come off as unapproachable? Well, it's just, he was a very stoic man. You know, he was a very oh. stoic man and he was a very, um, you know, he was, he was just a matter of fact person you know, and, uh, just stoic. So that's why he would come off as this son approach. Plus he was, he was, he was a speaker and he was, you know, you get that you, in Alcoholics Anonymous, we sometimes put these people on pedestals and we think that they're, you know, if you're a speaker in Alcoholics Anonymous, you're, you're somehow not an alcoholic anymore. You've rose above it. You've, you know, and, and, and that was not the case. That's not the case with anybody. And, and, you know, mm-hmm. but psychologically, you know, psychologically, you just assume that from time to time. Your mind just tells you because, because this person is the speaker at this meeting, or he's the, you know, he's, you know, the person in charge or whatever it is, he must be this, you know, all knowing, all spiritual, all, you know, guru type thing. And, uh, right. You, you, you psychologically put him on pedestals. And that's, and that Dick was never that, you know. Never, you know, mm-hmm. and, and he was always, he was just so, I mean, he had such a dry sense of humor and it would come out and it'd just be like, out of the blue, he would say something and it'd just knock you off your feet. You know, you just start laughing about it. Right. Just spending that kind of time with him, you know, that I got to spend in that first, you know, five, six years that I lived down here in Iowa, it was just awesome, you know, to go and spend weekends with them and, and uh, be around them and and do things. It, it just changed my life. And, and um, he, you know, a lot of people talk about, you know, how could he have sponsored so many people and are you really being sponsored if that's the case? And most of the people that he sponsored, you know, had 10 to 30 years of sobriety. You know, and Mm -hmm. and they weren't people that, you know, he didn't, you know, by the time he didn't sponsor a whole lot of new brand new people, you know, because he was busy working with, you know, the, the, the crusty people that were dying in an Alcoholics Anonymous on their own, you know, Mm. and thinking they were going to AA and doing everything they could and getting stark raving sober, you know, or, or, you know, with people that, you know, who were getting up in sobriety and, and, and uh, after you get to a certain age in sobriety, there's not a lot of people that are sober longer than you. you know, sure. It becomes difficult to find people, you know, but, you know, yeah, he was just an awesome cat. And when I uh, talk, you know, he sponsored 60 guys, 60 to 80, you know, any, anytime it was 60 to 80 guys that he sponsored and we had these pigeon meetings <laughs> Um, We got together at his birthday. We got together at Cornhusker and it was just the people he sponsored had lives that I wanted to be a part of and lives that were these were people that were um, they were just people that were enthusiastic about Alcoholics Anonymous, enthusiastic about helping other alcoholics. You mm-hmm. know, and uh, it was just an amazing, amazing deal. And one of the things that really helped me about being sponsored by Dick, and I I always get a kick out of this because it was kind of humorous, you know, um, if I talked to Dick on Wednesday and Becky and I would have an argument on Thursday, and by the time I got around to talking to Dick again, it wasn't a big argument. It wasn't a, you know, earth shattering, you know, argument or anything, but by the time I got back around to the following Wednesday, did that argument ever happen? You know, and one of the things that mm. I learned with with being sponsored by Dick is, is I started a Dick list. And uh, and I think that's just comic. You know, it fits. I still have this Dick list today. Um, right. But it's, it's the things that I, you know, I want to talk to my sponsor about that I Mm -hmm. don't want to forget to tell him about, because when I start to forget to tell him about the things that are going on in my life, and then I get, you know, three, four, five, six months down the road, you know, Becky and I, you know, Becky and I are talking about getting divorced and he's like, what the heck is going on? Right. Right. I mean, what's going on here? You know? So, Mm -hmm. so that's why, uh, you know, I continue to have that dick list today and, and keep it, you know, um, so that I know that, you know, even though this was solved and it's not an issue anymore, I'm talking to my sponsor about it. So when an action comes up again, you can say, hey, Tim, you know, this is two or three times that this has happened. Maybe you might want to change your actions, mm-hmm. you know, and, and do those things. And, you know, that's, you know, that's part of Alcoholics Anonymous. That's part of the, if it's not kind, if it's not loving, it's not AA. You know, and he wouldn't beat you over the head with that. He'd just say simple statements like, "Hey, this is maybe you might want to take a look at this," and you Mm -hmm. you go, "Oh, yeah." And you know, because I had surrendered my life to his judgment, it made me want to change my life. Sure, you know, and uh, that that is what sponsorship is about. And when Dick passed away. Um, you know, I had a period of time where I was trying to make a connection with somebody and, and, uh, um, trying to, you know, get that feeling again. And and I went through a couple sponsors before I got my current sponsor. But when I got my current Mm. sponsor, it was that same feeling when I asked him to be my sponsor and he said, yes, I felt like I was not alone anymore. You know, and 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 I think that is really what Alcoholics Anonymous is makes us different than any other twelve step program and then any other um treatment for alcoholism is that fellowship and that 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 feeling of I'm not alone. You yeah. know, I'm not different. No, I, I get that. I, I
0: totally get that. I um <clears throat> Tim, I really only have you know, one question left, and that's um, if you, you, you know, it, it's not what are the kind of the, the and you could obviously talk about anything that you want to in here, and that's, you know, kind of what are the things that, you know, you see in your, maybe in your, your life or in your current sponsorship that, you know, you, you know, you, you learn from Dick or, you know, the things that, you know, you you picked up from him that you see, you know, kind of in your life right now. Does that make sense?
1: Well, I think the thing that really, you know, that Dick instilled in us is that that sense of responsibility and mm-hmm. how to be deliberate with my with my actions in Alcoholics Anonymous. Mm-hmm. And I think in the time that we're in right now with this pandemic going on, and I've talked about this. About being deliberate with my actions in alcoholics Anonymous, being deliberate with my sobriety today, it take, you know it's not as easy as I'm just going to go drive to a meeting and take for granted. I, I actually have to take action to um, go and do or to get onto a meeting, and I have to take action to make contact with other alcoholics, because you mm-hmm. know the the world of Zoom is awesome it's going to have a purpose and it's going to have a place and it's just not going to be my primary purpose. Sure. (laughs) You know, I'm I'm a people person and, and, and I'm a, and I'm a guy that likes to work, you know, look at a room and and see, see who's suffering, you know, see Mm -hmm. the people who suffering. you cannot on on TV, you can hide your face, but you can't Mm -hmm. hide your body. Yeah. Your, your deportment, you know, in the book, it talks about his whole deportment shouted, that he had the real answer, you know, and you mm-hmm. know, our department shout that we're suffering, you know, when right. we're around people and uh, Dick, Dick was one that was, you know, really, you know, would tell you to look around the room, look at the people that are staring at the floors, look at the people that aren't, that are suffering and go talk to them, mm. you know, and, and, and I think on in this world of zoom, we miss that. You know, Mm. unless somebody is, unless somebody is broken enough to say something, you know, Mm. it's real easy to hide out in a Zoom meeting, you know, but, but on the same token, Corey, on the same token, if you're surrendered, if you know what Alcoholics Anonymous is, then you can hear it, you are there. It's like, you know, one of the jokes that, you know, anybody that's traveled in Alcoholics Anonymous, I don't know, I may be judgmental, please bear with me on this but i'll go i've done a lot of traveling in alcoholics anonymous and i've been to meetings of alcoholics anonymous where if i had not known what the solution was i would not have heard the solution (laughs) you know and and right i think that happens in zoom meetings i think that you know i think sometimes that happens you know but there again if if you are connected and you and i i think it's awesome we're seeing i i went to a meeting last night in omaha nebraska you know and i saw people Mm -hmm. that i hadn't seen for years you know and i made connection and they're all committed to alcoholics anonymous and we're all committed you know and it was awesome and it's really zoom is awesome for that and it's got its place you know but There's going to be a, a, you know, there's going to be some alcoholics that really, really need that personal contact, that physical touch, you know, -hmm. and, you know, Dick just taught us how to watch, how to watch out for Alcoholics Anonymous, you know, and how to be principled in our actions, you know, And, and to be, you know, when we make a mistake, own it and move on. Correct it and move mm. on. Don't dwell in it. Sure. Don't try to, you know, self pity was not was not something I think he had a lot. Of. I mean, I, I mean, he just didn't stand for that. It was like move on, you right? Know? Yeah, and, and uh, you know, and again, I may I I may have had a different relationship with him than mm. you know than somebody else, you know, but I from what I know of the guys that I talked to that he sponsored, they all felt that way about him. You know, mm-hmm. they all felt that way about him, and and uh, I'm not trying to put him on a pedestal or anything, because I think there are uh, I think there are a lot of people in Alcoholics Anonymous that are like that, that are good communicators and are good um, stewards of Alcoholics Anonymous, and uh, I'm just grateful to be around you know, uh, area in Des Moines, Iowa that is full of those people, full mm-hmm. of people that want to. Uh, uh, be good stewards of Alcoholics Anonymous and to reach out and, to, and know their life depends on helping other alcoholics. So. Well, Tim, those are
0: all the questions that I have. I, I want to thank you very much for coming on today and sharing your experiences with AA and being sober and um, your sponsorship with Dick M. And if there's anything else that you'd like to add, um, you know, go for it. Otherwise, thank you very much. I really, really appreciate it. Again,
1: Corey, thank you very much. And I think this, what you're doing here is awesome. And uh, I appreciate you putting in the effort of doing this. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing how it's taken off.
0: Awesome. Thanks, Tim. Have a good evening. Thanks, Corey. Bye. Yep. Bye.